0: All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, Good to see everybody today, and um, it is um, Thanksgiving week, so happy uh, Thanksgiving week to you. Hope that you're uh, able to be with family and friends as uh, we celebrate this uh, holiday. I know that some people have already left to be with family and friends, but um, as you do the same, uh, we hope you're blessed as you do so. Um, For those of you who haven't met yet, my name is Roland, and I'm the lead pastor here. Um, I'm thankful that we could worship together today and um, just as a note, before we get started, we will uh, reschedule uh, community group leaders uh, training. We will reschedule that for you, we're not skipping it altogether, we're going to reschedule it for you. So we will go over the material we were going to cover today um, just at another time, okay? So um, I'm going to finish uh, today our season's message. Um, or series, rather, that we've been going through. And um, on the heels of uh, it being the Thanksgiving season, um, I think that it was appropriate to end with a message that applied to our heart attitude um, towards the different seasons that we pass through. And today, if you're um, going to be taking notes, uh, the message is actually called Thankful in All Circumstances. Thankful in All Circumstances. And uh, we know that that is an um, imperative that God gives us um, as we follow him in Jesus Christ. Um, but it's also a big challenge for us, uh, not only when things are going wrong, but also when things are going right. Because even when we're, things are going right, we can tend to, as people, be forgetful to thank the one for whom, from whom the blessings come. and so. Today, if you're going to um, be taking notes, we're going to break it down into three parts. Uh, When things go wrong, I'm sorry, when things go right. Number two, when things go wrong. And then number three, finally, when all will be made right. Okay? So when things go wrong, I'm right, when things go wrong, and when all things will be made right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us today. God, we thank you that you are good in all seasons of life. And God, we're asking you that by your word today, you would help ground us in that eternal truth and you'd help us to love you, follow you, and worship you in each and every season, through each and every circumstance, in Jesus name, amen. Okay, so today what we're um, going to do is uh, we're going to primarily look in uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church and it's um, in First Thessalonians chapter 5. Thessalonica was uh, a city uh, in the ancient world where Paul was going and preaching the good news of the Gospel. And he, for all the places that he spent time ministering the Word of God, it was one of the places that he spent the least amount of time. It was the least amount of time because uh, when he was driven out of uh, that city, he had to go on and keep preaching in other areas as well. Um, So it's interesting to understand and think that the exhortations and the commands that Paul gives to the Thessalonian church, not having spent much time with them, could have been important things that he wants to shape all of our thinking in whatever season of life that we're passing through. But we're going to go specifically to the uh, exhortation portion in 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to start in verse 12. Paul's writing to the church there. He says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient (coughs) with them all, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone then he says this he says rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances and that's without qualifiers he says in all circumstances for this is the will of god in Christ Jesus for you. He says, Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. So what we see here is that Paul is very specifically giving uh, an exhortation to the church and he says, listen, at the end of the day, I want you to, in all circumstances, in all seasons of life, I want you to rejoice. I want you to rejoice. Why? Because there is always a reason to rejoice, is there not? In every single season, in every single circumstance, God is good and there is a reason to rejoice. Now, whenever we come to a season like Thanksgiving, it's something that hopefully pulls our minds and our hearts to that reality, but we want to never be remiss in thanking Jesus for what he's done. It was George Bernard Shaw who actually said this, that it's actually whenever we're in the Thanksgiving moment that we think things like this, that a happy family is but an earlier heaven, right? If you actually have a happy, healthy family and you're able to enjoy their company over the course of um, the holiday season, and not just the holiday season, but throughout your lifetime, it's a picture of that which God wants to bring in his kingdom and his family, you know, through the church on earth as it is in heaven. Um, But the thing about it is, is that if you're ever in a situation like this, you've grown up in a um, environment where it is happy and healthy, you don't realize that which you have that maybe other people don't have. You don't realize that which you've been given, which maybe you take for granted that um, other people have to strive and work for. I know I often um, talk with uh, friends of uh, mine about this, that many times the giftedness of God is realized in the things that we take for granted, right? It's sort of like the things that you're actually gifted by God to do you think that everybody does sort of automatically or you think that everybody does sort of without thinking about it. But the truth is, is that the things that come most easily to you are often the things that God's graced you to do. The things that God's gifted to you to do. And if you look at somebody else who does not have that ability, that talent, that skill, that acumen, it's not because God's not favored them. It's just that he's gifted you in an area that he hasn't gifted another person. In the same way, what we don't realize is that even coming out of things like a happy, healthy home are things that are the gift of God and if god himself has worked in your family in such a way that you are together that you're rejoicing that you're able to enjoy the um, giftedness of god within your family unit you need to thank god for it now whenever things are going right the challenge is (coughs) excuse me the challenge is to remember to give god the honor and what he's due in the midst of that the reason why is that (coughs) whenever we are giving God thanks in the good circumstances, we're actually properly and appropriately setting our heart in the source of those blessings, right? He says literally that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights who doesn't change like the shifting shadows. So literally meaning that every good thing that you have in your life, it's a gift from God and you need to appropriately thank him for it he says on the other hand though that when things are going right we need to guard our hearts at the same time guard our hearts because when things are going right and we're not actively <coughs> we're not actively acknowledging the source of those blessings what it has a tendency to do is lead us astray this is why yep. moses writing in deuteronomy said this he said in deuteronomy chapter 8 beware lest your heart I'm sorry, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth, okay? And it's not just financial wealth, but it's wealth in whatever form it finds itself playing itself out in your life. You might be wealthy relationally, you might be wealthy financially, you might be wealthy in the opportunities that you have and even the favor that you have in your life, but you don't wanna say to, to yourself that my own hand has done this for me. He said, In the midst of things going right, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. What happens is that, Eventually people who become confident in and of themselves, not giving thanks to the source of those blessings, eventually they end up destroying themselves and the things that they built for themselves down the road. Has anybody ever seen that before? They might have started off in a relationship with God where they were giving thanks to him, but then over the course of time if they become the more self-sufficient they become, the more the weight of that which God has built by their hands begins to weigh on them and they can't stand under that which God was intended to hold up himself. And so he's saying don't go after other gods for if you do you will surely perish. Don't give credit to someone other than me. He says like the nations that the lord makes to perish before you so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the lord your god now this is a tricky thing because in the christian camp especially when things are going right um, we don't want to almost it's, it's a sort of sticky thing we almost don't want to give too much credit to god because people have started to in the christian camp use the word as pros, of prosperity as a dirty word. Anybody ever heard that before? And sort of like people talk about the word, the prosperity gospel, right? And the prosperity message. And they almost begin to disassociate themselves from the blessings that God's actually given because they don't want to be wrapped up or associated with that which is a prosperity message in its distorted form. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? But the truth of the matter is, is by going too far and not actually acknowledging God for the blessings he's actually given, then we don't give thanks and ground ourselves in the one who actually gives it. And the truth of the matter is, is that prosperity, according to God, is not a dirty word. Can everybody say amen to that Christian? Prospering is not a dirty word, and it's not a dirty concept. God actually wants his people to prosper. God actually wants his people to do well in him. How do I know that? Well, the scripture says very plainly in Psalm 35, verse 26 through 28, he says, let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. This is King David talking. Let those who delight in my righteousness, and we know the righteousness that we have is from Jesus Christ alone, his death, burial, and resurrection, shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. He delights in the welfare of his servant. If you look in the NIV, it actually says, who delights in the prosperity of his servant. Who delights in the well-being of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. And it almost is an oxymoron because people think to themselves, I know God's a good father, but it's almost like, For God to be a good father and for me to be spiritual, I have to only be associated with suffering. (laughs) That is not the heart of God, though. God's heart is that he delights in the well-being of his servant. Everybody understand that? Both here now and in the life to come, God delights in your well-being even as you have to pass through trials and suffering, even as you have to pass through the um, things of Christ, where Paul said of himself, I'm filling up in my own body that which remains undone in the sufferings of Christ, right? So there is suffering that takes place in this earth as a Christian. And your goal should not be worldly prosperity. But God's desire is that he would have his people be of sound body, sound mind, and in well-being, either now or especially in the time to come. Do you know that's part of the gospel, that he says, I'm going to wipe away every tear from their eye. I'm going to turn away all sickness and death and pain, right? And the former things will be passed away, and behold, I'm going to make all things what? New. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, he's bringing the people of God into well-being. We don't want to throw out the idea of God delighting in the prosperity or the well-being of his people because people have misused that term. Though some have done so, we at the same time need to understand that as God delights in the well-being of his people we need to be sober-minded and prepared not only for when things go well but also in the midst of the well-being that he has for his people when things go wrong, right? When things go wrong. I like what uh, John Piper said. He wrote a book called The Sweet and Bitter Providence, Sex, Race, and the Sovereignty of God. And he said this, uh, even though God's posture is that as a good father, he delights in the well-being of his people, he said, life is not a straight line leading from one blessing to the next and then finally to heaven. Life is a winding and troubled road. Switchback after switchback. And the point of biblical stories like Joseph and Job and Esther and Ruth is to help us feel in our bones, not just know in our heads, that God is for us in all these strange turns. God is not just showing up after the trouble and cleaning it up. He is plotting the course and managing the troubles with far-reaching purposes for our good and for the glory of Jesus Christ. So in the midst of God's heart being for the well-being of his people, if you read the Bible or if you've lived life as a Christian, everybody say amen to that, (laughs) okay? It's sort of like if you've lived life as a Christian, you see that in the midst of his heart not changing towards us, the realities of a fallen world affect us, right? The realities of a fallen world affect us. And as he's on this redemption process, and as he's on this redemption um, project through Jesus Christ, what we have to know is that God deserves our rejoicing and God uh, deserves our thanks, not only because of the good times, but also when things are seemingly going wrong. When things are seemingly going wrong. We never want to act like our um, present circumstance though is all that we will ever see of Jesus we want to never act like what we presently are experiencing is all that we will ever see of Jesus however whatever we want to do though is actually see clearly what he wants to do through the circumstance in which we presently find ourselves remember he says this rejoice in the Lord always and give thanks to the Lord in all circumstances because it's his will for you in Christ Jesus. Now that's easy to say when things are going right. But has anyone ever had a period in time where things were going right and then it took a left turn, and then all of a sudden things started to go wrong, seemingly, in your relationships and your finances and your health, something of the matter. And then you have to obey the same command, but you didn't know what in the world was going on or why you had the command to do it? Well, Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually said it this way that the reason that he says we need to be thankful in all circumstances because it's the will of God for us in Christ Jesus is because our thankfulness is directly connected to our joy. Our thankfulness is directly connected to our joy which means that if the joy of the Lord is our strength to pass through any and every circumstance our ability to posture ourselves in an attitude of gratitude in the midst of things going wrong gives us the ability to pass through until the circumstances actually change. When he says he wants you to thank him in all circumstances because it's his will for you in Christ Jesus that doesn't mean that he wants you to remain in those circumstances forever. Right? Everybody know that? It doesn't mean that for instance when my parents were Uh, um, or I'll skip to my grandparents, where my grandparents having served God faithfully were believing for their prodigy to also serve God, but they had a wild and rebellious grandchild, right? Who was doing his own thing and probably embarrassing the family name quite a bit. It didn't mean that it would always be that way, but they could keep praying until something changed, right? But you better believe they could thank God for the circumstance in Christ Jesus until that time because God was doing something in them in persevering faith. God was doing something in me. You better believe every person, um, every uh, friend or you know, friend of the family who was sent to me time after time, who spoke to me about the gospel in between my uh, wild days and actually serving him, I recognized as probably being sent in answer to the prayers of my grandparents. Anybody ever felt that before? You're like, that person's speaking to me now because somebody's been praying for me, you know? And it's sort of like, you see that it wasn't that the circumstance was to remain the same, but God was doing something in you until it changed. And that's why he said, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, gratitude changes the pangs of memory literally into tranquil joy. It changes the pangs, which are the hearts, the pains of memory, into a tranquil joy if you can see what he's doing in the process of the circumstance. Now, when things are going wrong, we've got to basically respond to God with at least three things. It's basic, I know, but it's a reminder <coughs> that we need nonetheless. Number one, if we're going to be going through challenging times, we need to, number one, thank God for what he's done in the past Thank God for what he's done in the past. Why? Because this expresses your appreciation for his faithfulness. When I thank God for what he's already done, I'm thanking God for his faithfulness towards me, right? And when I'm thanking God for his faithfulness towards me, this protects me from an entitled heart which is never satisfied and literally ungrateful, right? How many people have ever dealt with ungrateful people before? No matter how much you do for them, They don't basically say enough is enough, nor do they thank you, right? That's the heart of humanity, where he said in the last days, the people who will rise up will literally be ungrateful. May we never be an ungrateful people. The only medicine for that is actually developing a heart of thankfulness for what he's already done, saying, God, you've already shown yourself to be true and you've shown yourself to be faithful even if it's only as I can see it in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know that you're faithful according to your word, and it protects me from thinking I deserve any more than that, because you've been good to me in that, that God, you've expressed love to me, whether or not I see it in my present circumstance when things are going wrong, I know God... (coughs) You've been um, faithful to express your love in Jesus Christ himself. And so when I thank you for what he's done, every time we celebrate communion and I thank him for what he's already done, it gives me a heart of not only gratitude, but it protects me from an entitlement that says, I deserve more. I deserve more. But instead, what it does is it also allows me to, number two, thank God presently for what he's doing even when things are going wrong. And what this does is it opens our eyes to the present moves of the Holy Spirit through, in, and around you. Now Jesus, when he was on the earth, he said, listen, my Father is always at his work and therefore I too am working. But we don't always live that way with that type of mentality, do we? Where God, the Holy Spirit is literally always at his work. Always. That means around me. That means in me. That means, hopefully, if we're yielding ourselves to Him, through us. Jesus said, I'm always at my work because my Father has at His work. And when we actually have a heart of thankfulness, and I stop to say, Thank you, God, for not only what you've already done, but what you're presently doing, it protects me literally from a dullness of spirit. A dullness of spirit making me unaware of how Jesus is constantly on the move in, through, and around me and wants me to participate in that, what she's doing. How many people have felt distant from God before? Okay. The answer is not just... The answer is not just your prolonged moments of prayer the answer is also a posture of thankfulness where you're saying, God, I'm thanking you for your word today that by the Holy Spirit, you are not just one who's already moved, but you're one who's moving today. And I'm asking you, dear God, to open my eyes to what you're doing right here and right now, and I'm thanking you for what you're doing, even if it seems like things are going wrong today. How many people have ever been shaped before by a trial? And I'm saying not in a bad way, but in a good way, right? Because hindsight's 20-20. In the midst of it, you're crying out like, God, deliver me. God, help me. God, get me out of this. And then how many people were stuck in that situation or that circumstance for longer than they would have liked? But how many people know that it takes time to cook a turkey? <laughs> okay. It takes time to cook a turkey, right? If you take out the turkey too early, what, what, what's going to happen? Poisoning, right? <laughs> Poisoning. You'll, you'll, you'll cut into the meat. If any of you are planning to cook a turkey for this Thanksgiving, you'll cut into it, and everybody will still smile at you. But at the same time, they'll be like, okay, so you want to get something to eat after this, Right? <laughs> Same thing with God, right? He's like, I'm determined to do a complete work in you. And you can thank him in all circumstances for what he's presently doing, even if it's a trial, if you know that there's something good on the other side. Why? Because he delights in the well-being of his servant. Henry Ward Beecher said it this way. and Henry Ward Beecher was the father of Herod Beecher Stowe. Anybody know, trivia, what she wrote? Come on, school. Uncle Tom's cabin. Okay. Yeah, he was a preacher. Okay, he was a preacher of the gospel, helped the abolition, abolitionist movement, but he was a preacher who helped inspire that. And he said, The unthankful heart discovers no mercies. The unthankful heart discovers no mercies. But let the thankful heart sweep through the day, and as the magnet finds the iron, so it will find in every hour some heavenly blessings. He says, if you're thankful, then you can see the movement of God. He was saying that during the preaching of the against slavery for the abolitionist movement, saying there was horrible things going on. But in the midst of the trials that we're experiencing, God himself is moving. God is, himself is moving to change a society in which we live. And I like what uh, Zig Ziglar said. He was, If you're um, old enough, he, like Zig Ziglar, for all the people who are motivational speakers today, he was one of the originals. <laughs> But he um, came often from a Christian bent. He said, Listen, even in the midst of trying circumstances, we need to be grateful for what you have and stop complaining. Why? Because it bores everybody else, does you no good, and doesn't solve any problems. I like Zig. <laughs> it bores everybody else, doesn't solve any problems, you know what I mean? And basically doesn't help anybody. Well, the third thing that we could do is in the midst of trials, being present is that we can thank for God for what He will do. Thank God for what He will do. <clears throat> when we thank God for what He will do, this is an act of faith, demonstrating your trust in God's faithfulness, not only before, but also in what's to come. It protects your heart from fear. If I look back, I see who He's been. If I'm opening my eyes to the present, I see the Holy Spirit moving today. And then I apply it to the future and saying, God, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus who showed up before is the same Jesus who's in my future. I used to have a little sign on my wall when I first became a Christian, which uh, actually said this. Don't... It was trite, but it's fine. It said, um, don't be afraid of the future. God is already there. And I was like, that helped me, right? Because I was a planner. Anybody else a planner in here? Yeah, and it's sort of like, okay, what is my next step? What's my next 10, 20, 30 years? Well, he said, don't worry, we're afraid of the future. God's already there. And when I began to thank him, I understood that it protected my heart from fear, knowing that God moved in the past, he'll move in the future. Zig Ziglar went on to say that gratitude is the healthiest of all human emotions. The more you express gratitude for what you have, the more likely you will have even more to express gratitude for. Now, for all of us in here, it's in the midst of the trying circumstances i I, I like to uh take comfort in the fact that you can thank god for triumphs and you can also take uh, thank god for seeming failures if you've ever been in the ring before and you've tried and failed guess what you're in good company have you ever tried and failed before and then said god I need your encouragement in Christ Jesus to move on." The answer is, is that if you say yes to that, you're in the company of the men and women of Scripture. And I like, though it's not, um, though it's not um, Scripture, I like what Teddy Roosevelt said. Has anyone ever um, read, biogra- uh, do you, has anyone in here like biographies? Teddy Roosevelt, a good one. He wrote in the citizenship, um, citizenship in a Republic, and you may have heard this before, that when you have a right attitude towards thankfulness, he says, ultimately, it's not the critic who counts. How many people have heard this before? It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. When you have a heart of thankfulness, not only in the good times but also in the challenging times this is a type of motivation you can live with right because i'm going for christ's sake into greater purposes for his honor his glory and ultimately because he loves you you're good but ultimately he says i'm going to make all things right it's not just during the good times that you should thank me it's not during the bad times but ultimately i'm going to make all things right if we go back to the beginning of that passage and Thessalonians, Paul ends it this way. In 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, Now concerning the times and the season, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord, when he brings all things into restoration, when he comes to judge the earth, and everybody gives an account to God, He says, for the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, whether things are going well or things are challenging, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. He says this because ultimately at the end of the day, all things will be made right. We never wanna forget that this place is not the Christian's ultimate home. This place is not the Christian's ultimate home. If you're enjoying something and have something to be thankful for now, he says rejoice. If you're going through a challenge today, He also says rejoice and thank him in all circumstances for it's his will for you in Christ Jesus. But regardless of whether good things or challenging things are your lot, he says this is not your ultimate home. He says we wanna live in the light of our ultimate salvation, forgiveness of our sins, purchased by Christ on the cross through his death, burial and resurrection from the dead and tilt our lives (coughs) toward that thing. Ultimately, that is when all things will be made right. You thank him along the way for the blessings he's given you. You thank him along the way for the challenges that have shaped you. But ultimately, you thank God for what he did at the cross. Because at the cross is where he purchased for you the restoration that will be eternal and the shaping that will be eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord and ultimately, that's the thing for the Christian that cannot be stripped from you. Everything else will pass away. That leftover that you leave in the fridge thinking it will last more than three weeks, it won't. It's destined to perish. (laughs) Even the achievements that you have, they are destined to perish, right? We have a new uh, cycle of uh, government coming through in 2020, right, and one of the hot debates right now is the wealth tax, right? And after working for so long, what will I actually be able to pass on to the people who I've worked for, right? That's big in the um, circled now. Everything is temporary except the salvation of God where he's gonna make all things right. So when you have a choice of what to be thankful for, when you have a choice of what to build your life around, you need to build your life around that which is eternal, found only in the person and the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and put your hope forevermore in the salvation that's to come. Because whether good times or bad, he delights in the well being of his people, and he's going to bring it about, whether in this life or the one to come. In Jesus' name. Amen.